on original Buddhism. Visit us at simplesuttas.wordpress.com. Okay, so, David. Yeah. Man, I just really enjoyed our conversation on Anatta. That was so much fun. I uh, I don't know if anybody else is going to be interested in listening to this, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. yeah, it's, it's it's great for me to think about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so now, dependent origination. Dependent origination. I pulled up uh, some Nikaya twelve uh, connected discourses on causation number one, dependent origination. Thought uh-huh. we could uh, use that a little bit. It's a little short one here. There's all these different teachings on dependent origination. There are the different numbers, the different ways of describing it. There's all these different kinds of uh, commentarial takes on it. Tanisaro mm-hmm. uh, Biku, we talked about before, has a big book on dependent origination. No, I haven't read that. It's, it's good, and he, uh, he, he describes several different uh, ways of analyzing it. it. It's one of those that uh, in the Sri Lankan community we're both, both plugged in on mm-hmm. is one of the topics of conversation, you know, one sure. of the, 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 the taken is kind of one of the most important things to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also uh, one of the ones where um, there's so much confusion about it. Absolutely. I, I, last summer, I had a conversation with a with a monk, a, a rather learned monk, and mm-hmm. a, a, a great guy. And I was just I, <laughs> drilling him on this one. Yeah. But tell me, how does this lead to that? Mm-hmm. And uh, the poor guy was just trying to eat his pizza. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know. It can get very, uh, it can get very confusing. So uh, I think I know which link you're talking about, and I'm very excited because I think I found the proper teaching. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, Let's do it here. Shall I? Shall I read a little bit of this sutta and sure, uh, see how it. that gets us? So again, this is uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi. Thus, I have heard on one occasion the Blessed One was dwelling at Savati in Jetta's Grove and Atapintika's Park. There, the Blessed One addressed the Bhikkhus thus: "Bhikkhus, venerable sir," those Bhikkhus replied. The Blessed One said this: "Bhikkhus, I will teach you dependent origination. Listen to that and attend closely. I will speak." Yes, venerable sir, those Bhikkhus replied. The Blessed One said this: "And what Bhikkhus is dependent origination? With ignorance's condition." volitional formations come to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's the uh, the first big sentence of Dhamma we've got with Absolutely. ignorance's condition, volitional formations come to be. So last time we talked about volitional formations, yes. Sankara. What, Sankara. Do you, what do you think about it? You, you teased us, right? You said you had some great definition that I you do. wanted to wait and for. This is, this is the one definition, so uh, if you don't mind, Not let's take all. all the first three links at the first time. Okay, so, okay. Uh, so the next one is with volitional formations as condition, consciousness and with consciousness as condition, name and form. Yep. All right. So, uh, you know, I, I, I heard your podcast on it, and uh, and I was like, oh, man, this guy really studies hard, and, and he really, you know, he's really thought about this a lot, and this is this is great. I'm, I'm so happy to find somebody who thinks about this stuff as much as I do. Uh, you know, I will just say, first, I want to introduce in a way that I used to think, and I think that this is absolutely, completely, you know, in almost every way wrong. <laughs> now, is this uh, something you got from some other source, or is it just kind of what you? It you're is. It is kind of what I came up uh, with on my own, um, and it and it was in inspired, I guess, by the idea that the uh, Nadanas happened in one mind moment or right, something like right, that, right? right? And so, you know, uh, I was very loose and fast with my definitions. You know, I read this teaching several times, and I had never found definitions for any of the terms that we were mm. talking about. And so uh, it's like, oh, okay, what's ignorance? Ignorance is thinking that, like, you know, something external is going to get you happiness in some sort of way. So, like, okay, I really wanted to be a baseball player because I thought that would make me happy. So being ignorant, you know, I, I created these fabrications, these, these choice actions, 
in order to kind of try and become a baseball player. So just to be clear, this is not what you think anymore. No, this okay. is all completely, I feel this is all completely in, in everywhere wrong, basically. Okay, so I wanted to become a baseball player, so I had these volitional actions to become a baseball player. From that volitional actions, you know, the consciousness, my consciousness started seeking out things having to do with uh, baseball playing, right? Um, so there, you know, I developed my body uh, in my mind, Namarupa, right, to become that of a baseball player from uh, Namarupa. Then we have the Sixth Sense bases. I, I primed my six senses for contact with things involving baseball, hmm. right? Uh, from uh, the Sixth Sense bases, there was uh, contact, obviously. Okay, we all know what contact is, right? Um, and then from contact, there was feeling about it. Oh, I really, really liked um, the feeling. There was a pleasurable feeling of playing baseball. From feeling, I started to crave that, that feeling of playing baseball. From craving, I became, right? I was um, in the process of becoming, calling myself a baseball player. From becoming, I took birth. Uh, there was a time finally when I said, I am a baseball player, that's who I am. And then, because of the nature of baseball playing, you know, I was young and I was in high school. I wasn't good enough to make it to the bigs. And what position were you? Uh, I was a pitcher, actually. Oh, all right. Yeah. And so, uh, from that, there was kind of an aging process where, you know, I was growing in my baseball playing, but then eventually it diminished, right? I, I couldn't throw hard enough. And then from there, there was death. There was the cessation of, of David as a baseball player, and it was horrible, painful. It was very difficult for me at the time. And rebirth is a violinist. And then rebirth is a violinist. <laughs> exactly, right? And so this is, is totally the way that I thought about it. Um, and Th This is a way of kind of interpreting this uh, without having to incorporate real past yes. lives, real yep, future lives. No real past lives, no real future lives. You know, it's just whatever we're calling ourselves at the time, that's that's our birth that we're taking. I think of this as kind of the modern take on it. For yep. You know, for Dhamma, uh, you know, meditators that don't necessarily want to take on the entire Buddhist teaching of rebirth, this is a way of reinterpreting this in a way that's a little bit more comfortable for uh, right. your Joe on the street. Exactly. It was very comfortable for me. I think, you know, the only place from the suttas that I even took anything that could be close to doing this is I picked at one word in the uh, Angul uh, Angulimala Sutta mm, yeah. uh, where, uh, you know, Angulimala says, uh, there's this woman that's about to give birth and she wants me to give her a blessing. I don't really know what to do. And the Buddha says, okay, well, you know, just tell her, you know, since I've been born, um, you know, I've wished no harm to living beings um, and, uh, and may the, by the power of that truth, may this, may this uh, have a, a pleasant birth, right? Um, Angulimala here, it's important for people who don't know, he was a mass murderer before he became uh, a Dhamma practitioner and a monk. Yeah, maybe a worshiper of Kali. Yeah, possibly, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, he says, and he just straight up says to the Buddha, he says, I, I can't say that, right? That's, that's a complete lie. He says, okay, well then say it in this way. Since I've taken birth in the holy life, and I never looked it up, but I'm pretty sure that jati is the word there. Mm. Um, since I've taken birth in the holy life, I've wished no harm on any living being, and by the asservation of this truth, may your uh, you have a successful pregnancy, right? Interesting. And so, so this is where I was taking it from, uh, once again, picking it one word out of a sutta, saying, oh, that's really what he meant. Everything else is just a big load of crap. <laughs> um, you know, we just die and we rot in the ground, and he was trying to come up with a way to make it more pleasant and that we don't suffer in the meantime. So this is the way that I, I thought about it for, for quite a while. I thought I had it pretty well figured out. Um, and then I read that article. Um, you know, you mentioned that article in your podcast. There was an academic article where the guy was saying that um, this is only about one birth. This is about gestation in the womb. And he says, you know, it's very clear when the Buddha defines birth. He talks about birth from an egg, birth from a womb, um, you know, uh, spontaneous rebirth uh, in the deva realms, yeah. right, because they don't have a mother or father. And he says, I'm sorry, that's just not this teaching. And I was crushed, kind of. Like, really, I, uh, you know, I wanted Buddhism 
uh, to be this thing for me where I didn't have to um, give up any of my materialist beliefs mm. um, and I could practice that way and that it could be all right and that dependent origination could be this amazingly transcendent teaching about how um, psychology works and how each mind moment works, all this kind of stuff. And so I read it and I said, he can't be right about that. So I looked it up. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, you uh, know. Now we're going to have to have it explicitly. Sorry. But I was like, oh, man, that's, you know, um, although I don't necessarily agree with everything that he said, um, specifically this definition of birth, this is the birth that he's talking about. Birth is he's, birth. Yeah. Birth is birth, not as, as some metaphor. Um, and so anyways. This is how I used to think about dependent origination. Now um, I'm, I'm going to say that <laughs> my view is maybe much more radical in that um, I try and strip it of any commentary literature. Hmm. Um, and I literally go, there's one Suda in particular, Samudhi Nikaya 12.2. Um, and there's a few other ones. There is the uh, DN15, I believe that's the Nidana Sutta. 12.2 is the, uh, the other one I had pulled up here. Yep. Yeah. Um, and very detailed there. Um, DN, uh, you know, DN15, we get a nine-link chain. It's a little bit different, but the teaching is similar. Uh, there's also another one, uh, the uh, Right View Sutta, or the Samaditi Sutta, mm. um, where we have, I believe it's Sariputta going through each chain of the uh, dependent origination. And then there's a kind of companion to that, and I can't remember what the number is, but it's called uh, Meditations on Dualities. And I was really excited because, you know, I had been studying Zen literature and all this kind of stuff. I was like, oh, here's where this principle of duality comes from. Oh, it's nothing like that. Different, it's com completely different, different type of duality. <laughs> it's just the pairing of two things. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I guess uh, these first three here, um, you know, the one that you said in the podcast that you had the most trouble with is uh, volitional formations uh, right. forming consciousness. Right, right. And so um, I actually, of, pl of all the places, where do you want to think I found this quote? No idea. Wikipedia. <laughs> and Trouble I looked it up. It is, it is good. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's, it's right there in the Sutta. So this comes from uh, Samita Nikaya 1238. And so uh, we're, uh, oh, well, sorry, I want to define ignorance first in the classical definition. So Go for it. classical definition of ignorance is not um, uh, any kind of ignorance that we normally encounter or think about. Ignorance in this case is very clearly ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. Yeah. Yep. And um, it can't be taken to be any other way. He, he explicitly states this. Yeah, now, one of the so cool things about this is that here, and I was talking to my buddy about this, um, who knows a little bit more about computers than I do, and I was saying, you know, I never want to write anything on Dhamma because I, I, I can't um, feel like I've ever created anything that could add to what's already there. The one thing that I might consider doing is creating a click-through menu for dependent origination where we get to click on each one of the links and then we, it unfolds into a chain and we get a direct quote from one of the other suttas or oh. from a specific sutta that defines the term exactly. Oh, that's great. Right. None of your own words. just None of my own words, links just to. links to the text and, and it just unfolds so you can click through it at your own rate. Yeah, that'd be really valuable. Um, and so uh, here, because ignorance is actually a huge teaching, this is the entire Four Noble Truths. Well, what, is the, what does the Four Noble Truths also include? Uh, the Eightfold, eightfold path. path. What does the Eightfold Path include? Oh my gosh, so much stuff, including all of the jhanas, all of the, uh, you know, uh, formless states, everything. Everything is is kind of packed right there in the Well, and, and vice versa. The Eightfold Path has right view, which includes dependent origination. So. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the so whole path includes these, the whole path. Yeah, that's right. It's just this. So, 
So really specifically, we're not talking about uh, ignorance of oh, happiness or whatever. We're talking about ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. Well, I, you say ignorance of happiness, but I mean, isn't that the core message of the, of the Four Noble Truths is that this, we, we misunderstand how to be happy. We misunderstand true happiness. I, I agree in some ways um, in that I think very much, well, are we really talking about happiness here or well, that, are we talking you know, about something else? Yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, understand the true uh, nature of suffering. Is that a better the, way yes, to put it? I think that that's <laughs> a much better way to put it because that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not talking about, um, although, you know, he does say that enlightenment is the highest happiness mm-hmm. that we can experience and that a human being can experience, that a being can experience. Right. Um, but for the most part, this isn't uh, this isn't self-help Dhamma. It's not like, oh, hey, you know, things aren't going the way that I want in my life. And, and how do I just kind of feel better about it? It's about the complete and total elimination of suffering in all of its forms. Um, and so I think that that's a real clear definition of ignorance. Now, from that ignorance, the ignorance of the Four Noble Truths, um, and once again, too, one other thing that I would point out, I know I'm really hammering on this ignorance, is that um, I am clearly still ignorant of uh, the, the Four Noble Truths. Hmm. We don't mean intellectual knowledge. Yeah, we yeah. mean full and complete realization. This is everybody that is not an Arahant is ignorant. In yeah, it's not everyone that's had Buddhism 101 as a right. freshman that uh, it's, knows well, and not recite even, the Four Noble Truths. Right, and it's not people that have meditated for 10 years. It's not people that have meditated for 20 years and are completely devoted. It's anybody who has not completely and fully realized the path. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, so, uh, from ignorance comes volitional fabrications. Now, um, in a sense where we are trying to impute any ideas onto this teaching, it makes uh, in no sense because volitional actions, sankaras, are defined as um, actions with mind, body, or speech. So um, if we're looking for, quote, unquote, the beginning, right? Um, well, it, it, at this point, we've already got a being with mind, body, and speech. Right. Right. It makes no sense in that context. And, um, you know, there was a monk who was going to leave uh, because the Buddha would not teach him the beginning of things. <laughs> and uh, he says, hey, buddy, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, did I did I say that I was going to teach you how the world began? <laughs> Is that what I said I was going to teach you? Well, no. Right? I think that's just it. People expect, in a way, spe- expect too much out of dependent origination. Yes. Expect it to be an explanation of rebirth or an explanation of how the, the world is all interconnected. And it's not that, you know, that those, you know, it's just not what the, that teaching that's is. It's just talking about teaching. something else. Yes. <laughs> and so ignorance uh, here, ignorance of the Four Noble Truths in the path create volitional uh, actions. Now, volitional actions, once again, we talked about anything with uh, uh, any action with body, mind, uh, or speech. Now, here's this, here is this quote okay, that gotcha. uh, mm-hmm. I, I really, really love. This, and this is your quote? Nope. This is, uh, this is Samir Nikaya 1238. Okay. Okay. So, uh, whatever one intends and whatever one plans and whatever one has a tendency towards, this becomes the basis for the maintenance of consciousness. So here, I really believe, how, how does uh, volitional formations create a consciousness? This is it, right here. Once again, trying to think in any kind of like, wait, is there a body yet? Is there not a body yet? <laughs> no, we're not thinking on those terms. He is simply saying, with the arising of this uh, occurrence, right, there is immediately this next occurrence. They have to go together. They are links in a chain. They are inexorably linked um, other than once we can break the chain, right? So ignorance will cause volitional formations. 
volitional formations will absolutely, if there are volitional formations, that will lead to the continuation of consciousness. I, uh, you know, I, I think I get the, uh, the, the the thing there, and I've, I've got the, the sutta here. This is a, little, a slightly different uh, translation of it. But, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, I, I would say I have two questions about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is that this says ignorance leads to sankharas. But yes. if, we're, if we're defining sankharas as choices or decisions or uh, actions that you've planned, mm-hmm. right, uh, is it really true that ignorance leads to decisions? And does that mean that someone who is not ignorant, that an arahant, no longer makes decisions? Uh, so, uh, once again, now I think that you have to uh, dive in a little bit um, and see exactly what it is, maybe the terminologies and the way that he's talking about. Because, um, once again, I mean, you get further down the chain and you say, well, do arahants have feelings? Uh, and, and that once again, not emotions, but uh, the the feeling of a positive, uh, pleasant feeling and yeah, unpleasant right. feeling, or not neither positive nor yeah, unpleasant. Um, and absolutely, they do. We know that they do. Um, but repeatedly, again and again and again, um, people come to him, and and you know they say things like, "Okay, what you don't make actions? Clearly, you make actions, right?" And he says, "I'm not confused about actions. I have no question that the actions are not me. I've completely uh, ground out the stump." of future arising, I'm in no way confused about actions, I do not cling to them, I do not associate with them in any way, shape, or form. So is this use of Sankara implying um, mistaken actions, or mistaken decisions, or bad uh, uh, choices? Uh, well, y- yes, probably, but even uh, even maybe good, good choices, um, mm-hmm. because once again, uh, upon completely realizing the path, and I think people get confused about uh, what a complete realization is, sometimes, but upon completely realizing the path, the path itself is set down. And so um, he says this, he says very clearly that the path is a fabrication. Um, but I mean, for example, we know that he practiced jhana um, after he became enlightened. It was the, one of the last things that he did. Sure. Um, we know that that's a fabrication. He says very clearly that jhana is a fabrication. So he's still fabricating mental states. Right. Despite the fact that he's enlightened. Exactly. And so, um, you know, I think that those things can be intended, but uh, once again, I think it, it indicates some sort of confusion um, with creating something and, and clinging to the idea of what you're creating or what you're doing. In, in my uh, previous podcast on this, I, I phrased it as when we act out of ignorance of the true nature of the world. Sure. Uh, do, you, do you find that to be uh, about right? or Well, in, in I mean, but once that? again, is the true nature of the world being the Four Noble Truths and yes. the Eightfold Path, without right? a doubt. And not only that, but literally in this context, there's maybe five people that are not ignorant in the world right now. <laughs> I'd like to meet those five. Right, yeah, I don't, I've never met them either. But, uh, <laughs> They're not in uh, Minnesota. Yeah, not that I know of. Um, you know, and so once again, it's 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 talking about that that type of ignorance in a in a non full realization of the path, um, and then so once again with consciousness, you say, well, what are our hunts not conscious? Well, <laughs> there you go. There you, you go. Know. So for for me, and and, and this is what I uh, said in the previous podcast was that that uh, understand, and I I you know I think you disagree with this, which mm-hmm. is why maybe yeah, it's no, interesting that I what my point was that it wasn't a direct one for one choices create consciousness, but rather that what, what was necessary to do was to understand those first two by mm-hmm. themselves uh, as being, this is the problem. Our ignorance is leading to poor decisions. Mm-hmm. And to look at the last uh, handful mm-hmm. as, as being kind of a, 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 a you know, a, as going together, the craving leads to clinging, leads to mm-hmm. rebirth, leads to... 
uh, etc. Mm -hmm. And that looking at the middle uh, few as being, you know, uh, as being one chunk. Yep. Uh, and that rather that uh, misunderstanding leading to poor choices through the lens of this of this middle uh, uh, group of, of factors mm -hmm. is, is how, how to make sense of it. But you, I think, are saying that no, 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 it's choices or bad choices or however you want to phrase it in and of themselves that creates consciousness? It's not that it creates consciousness because once again, we're not trying to get at the beginning of things. And that's the mistake I really feel is is when you start trying to think in a temporal framework, um, you've, you've mistaken the teaching. Um, once again, the Buddha was amazing at similes. He was amazing at teaching. If you wanted to teach it in a temporal framework of multiple lives, a single life, if you wanted to talk about it in that way, he absolutely would have talked about <laughs> it in that way. And so we're not talking about the beginning of consciousness. And he says himself, transmigration is beginningless. It goes all the way back forever. There is not a discernible beginning. Yeah. Right. And so here, I mean, and that word that I really, really like, and maybe it's a bad translation, in which case I'd be sad, but uh, uh, is the maintenance, the continuation yeah. of and, consciousness. And I actually think the, the phrase independence on. Right? Yes, independence on. Yeah, so, absolutely. So these bad decisions are independence on ignorance. Yes. Yeah. And and the consciousness is the consciousness is maintained. It exists independence on those fabrications. Now explain that to me. So how is it that being conscious, being aware depends on making bad decisions? Yeah, I got I got one more for you. Okay. So uh, this is uh, Samina Nikaya 22:53. If passion for the five aggregates are abandoned, then owing to the abandonment of passion, the support is cut off and there is no longer a base for consciousness. Okay? And so, once again, uh, it, does not, it doesn't create. It is the maintenance, the continuation. And now here is where I think it's a mistake to think in the three-life terminology. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. But I think clearly we're talking about going from one life to the next. Right, the continuation of consciousness. Because he says, you know, um, and, and I've heard the argument, I think it's a good one, that uh, arahants have five khandas, but they are no longer clinging khandas. Mm. That there is no clinging involved in any of those khandas. Yeah. Does an arahant have form? Absolutely, Absolutely. right? We can yeah. see them. Uh, you know, do they have feeling? Uh, yes, and that's another one that I had too, uh, because I was working through this and I was fascinated by it. Uh, this is Samuna Nikaya 36.6, and that is the simile of the two darts that someone that is uninstructed, does not know Dhamma, um, you know, feels a painful feeling, sure. and immediately they're assaulted uh, with uh, an unpleasant mental feeling. So and we know the Buddha had backache and, uh, yes. and physical problems. Exactly. And, uh, but was nevertheless not suffering because of it. Yes, exactly. And, and in that, in 36.6 uh, there, they talk about the simile of the two arrows of the two darts. It's as if a person is hit with one arrow and then immediately hit with another one, yeah. right? Yeah. And so somebody that is an arahant uh, feels the first arrow, but they have complete and utter relief from the second arrow. There's no second arrow that ever comes. And so he says, in this way, you know, they, it's like a person that feels the pain of the first arrow, but does not feel a pain of the second arrow in any way. Um, and so to me, I think that the continuation of consciousness is the way to think about this, not the beginning of consciousness, because that's a completely different, uh, a whole different uh, bag of uh, uh, hill of beans. It's, uh, what does he always talk about? He says that this is a, uh, a thorn of views, uh, you know, just all views are, are, are brought up by that beginning of consciousness. You know, on the one hand, I, I agree with almost all of what you said, except that consciousness by itself, outside of the context of the other factors, is dependent on bad choices. 
Okay. So in what way is, con so not, without using the word create, mm -hmm. in what sure. way is consciousness dependent on sure. uh, bad choices? Could I not be conscious without making bad choices? Right. So once again here, it's clinging. It is that word. Um, he well, says, we haven't even gotten to clinging yet. Oh, that's no, like several I, factors uh, down well, the road. So that, that's why I connect them. No, no, no. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, uh, because once again, he, he talks about the clinging to the five aggregates. Right, and so we're talking about the continuation. He talks about that when he experiences parinibbana, everything that was him, the five khandas, are just going to grow cold right there. Right. Um, and I think that very clearly, once again, if we think, um, you know, I, I think very clearly we're talking about the continuation of consciousness from one life to another, and that if we did not have the choice, if we did not make the foolish choice, right? Remember, the the cause of suffering is the craving that leads to further becoming. Mm. Right? How clear can that be? The craving that leads to further becoming, not the becoming that is right here, but the becoming that will be further. Sure, sure. Um, but all of those are down the down the chain of dependent origination. I, I think you're right, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, to 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 explain it in terms of multiple births. But I don't know that you can uh, use things later down the chain to explain things earlier down the chain. Actually, actually that's what I'm trying to sure. do. Sure. No, no, no. No, no, no. Absolutely. <laughs> I think you're, uh, you're actually more on board with my interpretation than no, you No, no, no. Uh, it's, you know, let on. I, I think that it's good. Um, I think one of the things is that he's talking about um, direct uh, linking of concepts, hmm. right? Um, if there is this, there will by necessity be that. Right. And so if there is, once again, uh, talking about ignorance, creating fabrications, fabrications are uh, things that, you know, clinging. Right. That's the type of fabrication that we're talking about here. Um, if there is those fabrications, consciousness will absolutely continue. Um, and once again, it's it's not being created out of those, but it is dependent on them. Yeah. 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 I think in, in my previous podcast, I, I had phrased it as, uh, so the, the first part, you know, uh, when we act out of ignorance about the nature of the world, mm -hmm. this leads to further suffering rebirth. Sure, yeah. So I think you you definitely agree with the first part, that uh, yep, acting absolutely. out of ignorance. And yep. you definitely agree with the last part, that all of this leads to uh, suffering and rebirth. Yes, absolutely. And I think you actually even agree with the middle part, too, that the nature of the world is uh, uh, that, that we construct um, uh, experience out of the objects of the world with our own sense organs, mm -hmm. with our own, uh, you know, cognitive apparatus that leads to experience mm -hmm. and that this experience is radically uh, 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 constricts what we can say about the mm -hmm. world. But it's when we cling to that experience, we want things to be a certain way, we want, you know, to have this and not have that, and uh, that leads us to a crave thing, crave this and that, which leads us to cling to life, which mm -hmm. leads us to be reborn again and again and again. Sure. I think all of that we, we yeah, less I, agree on. Yeah. The, the only thing, the only thing that I slightly disagree is when we get in there and you talk about it being a weed and it fans out, right? right, right. Um, I see them as being absolutely direct links. Um, that once we have consciousness now, so once again, what are we talking about? He's talked about the continuation of consciousness. Now, what happens to consciousness? Consciousness needs Namarupa, right? And he said, I've never heard a good definition of Namarupa. Well, I, I can give you two, and they're straight from the dude, and I can't do anything past that. Please, right? Me. So the two that I'm going to uh, pull from here is um, DN15. It's the Nidasutta. And um, this is... Uh, probably an earlier version of the chain because it only has nine links. It's missing the six sense bases, mm -hmm. and it's also uh, missing ignorance and uh, fabrications. Okay? Um, so it starts with consciousness and Namarupa. Um, Namarupa in this uh, sutta is defined as Nama being anything that can be identified 
with a mental body in any way, shape, or form. Rupa, anything that's deformed, is, is the physical body, right? Um, and I think that these are, are real solid definitions. Um, no, I, I absolutely agree with those two, right? Mm-hmm. That you, we know what the two parts of the word mean. Yeah. Uh, what's, not, what's never fully explained, I would think, mm-hmm. is what it means to put them together. Well, um, I, I mean, think we get a sense of it. I mean, sure, I think no, it's no, that no. intertwining, that, that kind of, even for us now, that mysterious in, intertwining of menta- mentality and materiality. Mm-hmm. How does it come together? Where does it come together? The Buddha just, or whoever, you know, no, gave, no, no, gave it a word. Yeah. Right? Gave it a word to explain that mysterious intertwining. Well, I agree. You know, I, I would say that maybe the intertwining is not so important. Um, he's, he's directly laid out. Now, the one that comes in the later teaching, we get an even clearer definition. Right. We get form is the physical form uh, made of the four great elements. Sure. Right. So once again, if you want to unpack this teaching, there is a huge teaching on the four great elements. Oh, yeah. It's it's uh, for me, it's a personal and beautiful experience to read that Suda. I nearly cry every time I read it uh, because here's this guy. He doesn't know who the Buddha is. You know, he's just lodging. Hey, friend. Yeah, stay here. Oh, who have you gone forth under? Oh, is this the son of the Sakyans? And, you it know, is, it's, a beautiful it's said that he's totally enlight- enlightened and. You know, oh, what was the Dhamma you teach? I have to be frank. I'm not 100% sure on the Dhamma. I think this is kind of it. Oh, well, that's interesting. Let me give you a a little edge up on that, right? It's also, by the way, how we know that the Buddha wasn't 36 feet tall. Right, exactly. Um, Although I have a theory about that. Uh, I got theories about a lot of stuff. But um, so this other teaching that we get, though, is Nama is specifically named. And this is where you say, well, we can't go to later links in the chain. And I think that we kind of can. Um, in a way, in a way. Not that they're direct causes, but they are intermingled. Um, we get that nama is uh, inten- uh, sorry, intention, contact, attention, and perception. That we get it defined as those four things. Um, and once again, that's just a breaking up of, um, of the, the khandas into two parts, right? We have five khandas here. Um, four of them are mental, and then the one is physical, and that's what's being named here. Um, and as far as why does consciousness uh, lead to Namarupa? Well, because uh, consciousness in general doesn't wander around unhoused. Um, it has to have some sort of, it, it is dependent on a body. And so, you know, uh, we get this, uh, this teaching that I've already shared with you, but I'll share it again. Uh, in, uh, I believe it is in the Nidana Sutta where uh, somebody asks, you know, because this is the, the chain that ends in name and form and consciousness, well, how can they be dependent on each other? He says, well, they're like two reeds that lean upon each other. You take one away and they both fall. And, you know, imagine uh, a child being formed in the womb and uh, consciousness never comes. Is that nama going to grow? Well, no, it's not. Yeah. Well, th- this is uh, exactly the argument of Yanananda in the in the Nibbana sermons, right? Mm-hmm. There's this collection of 33 sermons. He, he takes it to be incredibly important that those two factors rely on each other mm-hmm. rather than, so he thinks it's kind of the central point of the of the dependent origination, and, and that's the place to attack, you know? Yeah, go yeah. Through, which uh, I, I personally don't agree with at all. I think, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. I, I think it's a really interesting take on it, and I, I, I recommend reading those uh, mm-hmm. with, with uh, some patience and interest. But I don't think the fact that they rely on each other is particularly valuable in terms of practice. I agree. Be- because the thing to go after is ignorance, right? Yeah. Uh, th- that's the bait. That my, my weed analogy, the most important part of that is all of these later factors you can attack, you can get rid of, right? Mm-hmm. Y- you know, you could uh, get rid of birth, but that's not going to stop rebirth, right? Mm-hmm. So right. Uh, once once you die, then you'll be reborn. So, so mm-hmm. you know, attacking that higher part of the weed isn't going to get rid of it, right? Well, And, yeah, I, and I think getting rid of Namarupa, uh, mm-hmm. you know, attacking it at that point is, is interesting, mm-hmm. but it's still not going to uproot 
root the defilement of ignorance. And so you've got to go at that earliest stage. Sure. To be able no, to, uh, no, I think that that's good. Um, I think one of the reasons that I brought in uh, the uh, dualities and the, uh, is this, uh, Diti, what's come on? The, Samaditi. Samaditi, yep. The reason I brought up Samaditi is because um, he talks about that liberation can be attained anywhere within even understanding just one of those links mm. and how it's dependent on the next. In the duality sutta, he links each, lane, each uh, link in the chain with suffering. And so that's another way where you, you're talking about you can just go straight for ignorance and that's going to end it. And you're absolutely <laughs> right. There's no, there's no two doubts about that. But you've got to have a, a place to start. Right. Yeah, that, um, that's right. And so, you know, I think that, yeah, that's why consciousness is dependent on Namarupa. That's why Namarupa is dependent on consciousness. Now, the next link in the chain here is we have the six sense bases, right? Now, in the earlier teaching, this didn't um, this didn't exist in, in, well, I mean, it didn't exist. It, it, it wasn't in DN15. It wasn't enumerated in and DN15. That's why I think that uh, the, the numbers aren't really so important sure. here. But th- th- rather that uh, if you, I, I think if you have Namarupa, that that implies the six sense bases. Bingo. Okay. And, that's, and that's actually exactly <laughs> what I was going to say, is that with the formation of Namarupa, Namarupa forms six sense bases. Yeah. That's a huge so part you can't of, have one without the you other. can't have one without the other, that, that immediately upon having Namarupa, um, you need to have something that can make contact with the outside world, and that's the Sixth Sense basis. That is telling me that we have got to stop, and I'm so Such sorry because I'm just getting into this. This is really yeah, yeah. great. I thank you so much for coming down, do, do, doing this. We've got to do it again, please. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome.